Clear up the closing doors, please. Welcome to Bitch Witch, a New York-based dating podcast where I, your host Mitchie, and my guests explore the complicated, fun, magical, and sometimes just downright fucked aspects of dating in New York City. Question for you all. What is the connection between the holidays and nightlife? Well, in today's episode, it's Chosen Family. The holidays are a time of year about love. And for many, that love includes your friends. And for those who are queer, sometimes those friendships are made on a night out. Join me as I speak with Ian Kumamoto, head of the queer BIPOC event group, Horchata, as we discuss queerness, nightlife, and finding community on the dance floor. Amazing. So thank you, Ian, for coming on to today's podcast. If you'd like to introduce yourself. My name is Ian Kumamoto, uh, he, they pronouns, and I live in Bushwick, New York. Yes, yes, yes. So um, Ian, uh, many people may or may not know that you are the creator of Horchata. Do you want to speak more to what Horchata is for those who are not familiar? So Horchata is this Gen Z loose collective made up of people I've slept with, just kidding. Um, Just like friends and just like people that I've met throughout like my time in the queer community here in New York. Um, All people of color, all queer, trans, and it was kind of created out out of this need um, to just have a queer Gen Z space that is not like cis for like Mm -hmm. cis only. Um, Mm -hmm. And even though there's all of these other parties like poppy juice and bubble tea, there's also this element of, you know, they were the generation above us and they've created something so solid and so amazing and something that I drew so much inspiration and I have so much love for. Um, but I realized that there wasn't a lot for the Gen Z crowd, um, the early 20s people who are on TikTok. And that's where we just got most of our audience from. I literally got on TikTok, I think it was last June, and I was like, hey, I want to throw like a party for QT BIPOC. Um, if anyone wants to come through, like come, it's going to be at my friend's um, Tia's little like salon that she rents out for quinceañeras, which held, holds like 70 people. Here? I don't know if you were there, um, Michi, were you there for that? I event? wasn't there um, that, that time, but okay. I literally met you. It's our almost our one year anniversary of meeting. So I met you during Thanksgiving, the Thanksgiving Uh, that. The Chosen Family Dinner. Yeah, I remember that. Um, But the June one was Amor Prohibido. It was in Harlem. Um, My friend Jonathan has a really, really cute, um, intimate, beautiful, actually really authentic Mexican restaurant called Doyin in East Harlem. Shout out to Jonathan. Yeah, shout out to Jonathan and Oyin. And so we had the party there. And because I uploaded that TikTok, there must have been at least like 200, 300 people who who showed up. Um, So there was like a line out the door. We had to turn people away. And so after that event, from just getting on TikTok, being like, hey, would anyone go to a party like this? 
and just seeing the reception, I think me and and the couple other people who started it, um, Omar, Chantel, and Abby, we were like, oh shit, okay, this is bigger than what we thought. There's clearly a demand for this. Like, why don't we start working with actual venues um, and actually start trying to make this a thing? And that's how Horchata was born. That's amazing. Um, so you grew up in New York, correct? No, actually, I grew up in Mexico City. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Cool, cool, cool. Similar vibes, though. Similar vibes. <laughs> <laughs> well, since you didn't grow up in New York, what parts of your dating life in New York City influenced your vision for Horchata? Mm. And how would you describe the club and dating scene in New York for you? What was that like? So even though I didn't grow up in New York, I really feel like I am a product of New York because I came here when I was 18, um, figured out like my own living situation, um, just like was sort of like coming into my identity during that time. So like every facet of my identity now is very much shaped by New York. I think before that I was just a very like reduced version of what I am now. When I first got here, when I was 18, I had like my little fake ID. It, it wasn't even a fake ID. I just like sharpied the seven on 97 and turned it into a two. And obviously, no. yeah, <laughs> the only places that would let me in were obviously like the gay clubs. Like it's very obviously like Sharpie. And so I remember just going out to like the main bars that, you know, you would Google like pieces and um, some bars in the East Village um, that have closed. And I remember just entering there and just feeling like, you know, having this expectation of being like, oh, my God, like I'm moving to a city where my people are and like where I'm going to feel so welcome and finally like I I'm going to be able to breathe and then entering these spaces I realized like oh shit that's like that I actually feel like worse you know in a lot of these gay women mm. bars um because I remember just very distinctly and as a young queer person I think it's very very impactful when you go into a space and um people very clearly see you a certain way and treat you based on how femme versus mask you present, how you present racially, um, all of these things that are sort of out of your control, but are still very much a part of who you are. It was just like, there was no room for that, you know? And it was a very oppressive place. Um, I remember like old older men, like 40s, 50s, like white men being like, oh, like I love Asian boys. Um, and it was always this like weird contrast of, wow, like nobody's even like looking at me or like this person is trying to make it very clear that they only like me for this reason. And so I think just like, unfortunately, because of those things, I did put myself in a lot of dangerous situations. I would hang out with people who were way older than me, who had like, didn't give a fuck about my well-being, would give me drugs and like all of these things that I was sort of like doing because I really felt like there was nowhere else to turn to. And so I think I just carry that really heavily with me now of just, I do not want like other queer and trans people of color to like feel that there is absolutely no space or nowhere for them to turn to, because I just know that for me, there's so much from that time period that I'm still trying to like make sense of and move past and heal from. Um, but at the same time, because of that process, that's what created Porchada. So that was sort of my my time like in, in New York and even on the apps, um, if we're not talking necessarily about like 
physical space. Mm-hmm. I remember still like in 2015 when I when I got here, like people would still put like no fats, fans or Asians. So it was just what? internalizing. Yeah, that shit was wild. Internalizing all of that from like at a time when you're supposed to like find pride and joy in your queerness and identity in a place that is supposedly supposed to encourage that. And to just come across all of these sayings and and just like beliefs. I honestly didn't know, like, I didn't know if I wanted to be gay. <laughs> like, I didn't know if I wanted to be mm. in that community. Like, I don't know what that meant. I don't know if there was another we- word that was going to be invented or whatever. But, like, I did not feel like a gay man. Because every time I get- went to a gay space, I just felt so shitty about myself. Yeah. And I think it's, I- I'm so sorry that that was your first experience. And thank you for sharing that. I think... It's hard to enter spaces when you come in with the idea that's like, oh, these are my people, this is my community, to ultimately not feel seen and to only be tokenized is so traumatizing. And, you know, it does put a lot of people of color in compromising positions because you want to be surrounded by like-minded individuals who have a similar lifestyle to you. But ultimately, um, it makes you feel even smaller because it's like, wow, these group of people who are supposed to, you know, we're, 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 we're gay. So, like, we should be in community with each other. And ultimately, it makes you feel more alone because they don't see you for who you are. Yeah, definitely. And I think that has effects that I think we are going to still see and learn as, you know, people who are our age, like come of age and start Mm -hmm. speaking about these experiences of, you know, what it was like to be a queer person in the 2010s when there was like such a wider acceptance of queer people, but there was no really talk of like, oh shit, like not all of us want to be a part of this culture that is purely about sex, is purely about um, how chiseled, how masked, how X, Y, and Z you can be. And I think we're still like, fighting to make sense of that. And I, I, I think there's a lot of people who still have that like really deeply internalized, including people of color, um, including in, you know, who they want to date, you know? Like there's a lot of queer people of color who still see dating a white person as like the ultimate achievement or goal. Um, so I just, it's just gonna, it's a long and painful process. And I think all that work that we're doing individually and we had to go through like, now we're going to have to go through collectively. And I think part of that is just talking about it of like, oh shit, like we all felt this, like we were all spoken to in this way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that shit is not, is not right. Yeah. Thank you for all of that. So now that you've been able to kind of change the narrative on nightlife and create a community that is more reflective of what you've wanted and what a lot of queer people, a lot of, queer Gen Z have been searching for, how has doing horchata changed your opinions on nightlife? Mm. Oh, that's such a sweet question. So I think one thing that I did learn about nightlife, um, now working in it, is that a lot of people take themselves too fucking seriously. Um, (laughs) Okay, that was surprising. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) just like a lot of clubs you know like especially promoters like someone called me a promoter a month ago I was like 
<laughs> like, no, like, uh, 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 that's like calling me an influencer, like just a radioactive word, because I think meeting some other promoters and like the way that they like, just some, some people who are in nightlife just very much care, first of all, about the money, because there's a lot of money to be made in nightlife. Um, you're pretty much just providing a space and people will like buy drinks and cover. So that's a lot of money, a lot of money in New York nightlife. Um, and that's sort of reflected in like the effort that people put in because people know that like people in New York are going to go out no matter what. If there's like a shitty club, but it's like in a good location, like people are going to go there no matter what. There's so much ego in, in, you know, like who can throw, like who can make the most money, who can like charge the most cover, who can do X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, I don't know, there's like a certain point where I'm just like, like, what's the point? Like, I just don't understand, like, what, what the motivation is outside of money. And if the only motivation is money, I think there's other ways to make money. Um, so just something. Sorry, what was your original question? <laughs> well, I said. I distracted myself. <laughs> no, it's okay. The original question was, how has Prashatha changed your opinions on nightlife? And, um, you know, I, I know you to be very fun. Um, fun person I don't think you take yourself too seriously but like I do think it's funny that um someone did call you a promoter because I wouldn't say the way that you plan for Chata is anywhere near the right. same pain mm -hmm. it's much harder it's much more complicated and you actually like have performers and book people and things like that um but um I do think it's fascinating that in any any industry, especially nightlife, that that there is ego for like who can create the best party, who can create the most money. And it sounds like from the beginning, your intention was never to be the best party thrower. I mean I mean, yeah, it's fucking nice. <laughs> <laughs> you throw bangers if none of you have been to Prachata. It's a fucking banger. But I think ultimately what draws people to Corchata and to you is the fact that you created community in nightlife that maybe wasn't there or was much smaller or in ways that people didn't feel was accessible to them. And I think that's beautiful. Thank you. That means a lot. Um, yeah. And I think that's what I, I'm sort of thinking of, like, when I say, like, people take it too seriously. I, I think we take it super, super seriously, obviously, like creating this space and um, everything that we do with Horchata. But I think I don't ever want it to stop feeling fun. And I don't ever want it to stop feeling like it's first and foremost, like a community, like even outside of a party, like, if this wasn't like a club, and we were just literally at a restaurant, like I would want us to have the exact same like type of like good time. So for me, I think it's like, people get so fixated in nightlife about like, oh, like which club, like which DJs, which X, Y, and Z, all of which are super, super important and essential. But at the same time, it's like, if you don't have a community that like is down to just clown and just like be with each other and just like meet each other, then it's like, it's literally just whatever, like any other party, like all you have to do is give people drugs and turn off the lights and like people will have a good time. So it's like, I think just like, treating it as a community space before a nightlife space. Um, and and that's that's where I realized like, oh, like a lot of people in nightlife just put like the nightlife first, the nightlife element first. 
So how does one, if, you know, you were giving any tips for people who wanted to create more community and nightlife, how do you infuse community and nightlife and how do you infuse community in your day-to-day relationships? Oh, these are so good. <laughs> um, Thank you. I, I, I get so nervous interviewing people because so I'm like... Thank you. I'm like, I do not have a journalistic background. This is all. (laughs) (laughs) All they do is like make you read a newspaper. (laughs) 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 Um, Sorry, the question is, how do I, how do. Yeah, so how do you foster community within your day-to-day relationships? Mm -hmm. And how do you take that? and infuse that into nightlife? Like, what are the steps to ensure that community is at the center of mm. any event? Oh, okay. This gonna sound corny, but it's honestly like love. Like, if you don't have love for people Aww. that you're working with, there's, that shows, like, it's very evident. Like, if you don't care, it's very evident. And, I, and it's hard, it's fucking hard, especially in the queer community sometimes. But like, I think a lot of us, tend to come at least me I'm gonna speak for myself I think I come from Mm -hmm. a very much like my default is a scarcity mindset Mm. Um, and so whether that's friendships dating relationships whatever um I think I've just been really really fighting to not to have like an abundance of like oh like my closest friends can have other friends that they consider their closest friends as well Mm -hmm. um and just like going through this process of like a community is supposed to be an ecosystem when a lot of us were taught like we exist in a vacuum and we have like our best friend, our boyfriend, our our biological family. Um, and those are the people that like we interact with in our lives. But I think being in New York and just seeing, just meeting so many queer people who, and queer and trans people who have just like brought so, have such a different way of viewing things because they've been forced to, either because they had to like make family out of people that they didn't know that they met here, um, or literally because they don't want to go out alone. Like we're just so forced to find each other and to accept each other and to work through our differences. And I think that's what makes to me like Brooklyn, and I guess we can say Bushwick so special. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like just all of us are just like so hungry for family um, and chosen family. And I think just leading with that, with that idea of like, I want to see my people happy. And that being sort of like creating an ecosystem of group, a group of people that just wants to see the other people thrive. I think that's what. I think the essence of porchata is because I think a lot of the framing around it is, you know, a lot of us don't are not welcome in these other nightlife spaces. A lot of us, this last event, for example, like we're coming, like a lot of us didn't have a prom experience that wasn't traumatic or stressful or humiliating. So it was like, how do we come around to like heal our inner child so that we can, instead of feeling like we're, fighting other queer people or we're like it's me versus the other queer latinx person you know like how do we create a genuine ecosystem where like we all are rooting for each other because that's like 
that's what white people are doing <laughs> to each other. Like they're yeah. rooting for each other. And I think we don't realize that like, oftentimes like I had to like keep reminding myself and unlearning like my scarcity mindset of being like, oh, there can only be one queer POC party. There can only be like one person who does X, Y, and Z. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, because there's like so many of us and all of us are so different and all of us are going to bring something different. Yeah, I think we grow up with the idea that there's not enough room at the table. Mm -hmm. And I think it doesn't help that we grow up with media where there's the token gay or the token black person or, um, you know, the token Latina. And there's always room at the table and there's always room for people to speak up and to add their opinions. And also just because we all are part of the LGBTQ community, it doesn't mean that um, there aren't certain aspects of that community that have been fulfilled. And we all don't like the same things, nor will all all queer things cater to all queer people. And so it's, it's great to add m- more and more activities or um, places for queer people to connect with each other and to be together and to hang out with each other because they, they, it might be lacking in certain areas that they haven't experienced that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. So how would you describe your chosen family? Because I think I met you, um, I don't know, I said earlier, I actually met Ian a exact almost exactly a year ago when this episode will air. <laughs> hey, really? Yeah. Did you do that on purpose? Do you <laughs> um, at a chosen at a chosen family Thanksgiving, I wasn't able to go back home to be with my family, and you know I'm someone that has a complicated relationship with my family to begin with. And I decided to put myself out there, and I didn't know anyone at this chosen family Thanksgiving, but I went and I had the funnest time, and I met so many people that I am now friends with now, including Ian, and that was, you know, such a life-changing moment for me in terms of my relationship with other queer people of color, because that was something that was lacking in my life. And so I wanted to ask you, how would you, what words would you use to describe your chosen family? Hmm. Ah, you make me cry. (laughs) (laughs) If you cry, it's okay, because I'm not posting the um, video recording. Okay. (laughs) So I'll just like, you're up. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. It won't be on TikTok, or maybe, I don't know, but like, not a part of you crying um I would say and I'm gonna qualify this because I know sometimes this word is like overused especially with marginalized communities but I would say resilient and I would say resilient with a lot of joy because I, I think resilience sometimes is sort of this word that's like oh like you've gone through so much so you're resilient you're tough Right, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Is it like reserved? Yes, yes, yes. And I think something that really like encapsulates all of us and you as well is sort of this concept of like people who have gone through 
difficult circumstances or who have not maybe had the easiest life or have not always received the love and adoration and acceptance that maybe we wanted, but who refuse to sort of stay in that place and who refuse to let that stop us from finding joy in, in the way that's most authentic to ourselves. Um, and I think that's the spirit of just like the people I want Horchata to be surrounded by. And I think the people that are attracted to Horchata, we're just here trying to like have a good time and beyond that, like make connections with people who understand us on such a deep level. And I think again, with like the inner child thing, I think it's like, there's so many queer people of color who never get to heal their inner child. And I feel like we are people who want to heal our inner child so we could be happy, fulfilled, joyful adults. And I don't think you can do that without healing so many little parts of us that we never had or that we still feel are lacking. It's amazing. Thank you so much, Ian. And for a final question, what are your hopes for the future of Horchata? Where do you see Horchata in the next five to ten years? Mm. I want Horchata down the line in the future always. Whatever different iterations that we take, whatever different types of parties we throw, I always want it to be a space where people feel like they are wanted. Um, where queer and trans people feel like they're not fetishized, where they're seen, where they feel sexy, where they feel like mm. there's possibilities, you know, for love. Um, I think that's a big thing, you know, for a lot of queer people of color, I feel, especially queer and trans people of color, is, you know, we struggle so much with, like, feelings within our own families of, like, not being worthy of love. And when we go to these mainstream gay spaces, we relive that trauma just like through different packaging. Um, and so just creating a space where someone like can just go and feel like, oh shit, like I'm desired. I am sexy. I can like date someone in this space. People in the space get me. People in the space won't fetishize me. To me, like you can't, function in your life if you don't have just like the base feeling of like I am wanted or like I am able to be loved by other people like if you don't have that like it's really fucking hard to do anything else so I, I always want Horchata to embody that <laughs> to be that space um, no matter what happens Oh, amazing well thank you so much Ian um, do you have any else you'd like to say any closing notes for our, for my listeners yeah uh, I'd love for people to just like reach out like yeah. I think China always wants to like be like also a platform for like artists who don't have like a, as much of a platform so just like if you they want to use for chat as a place to like perform or anything like that um, or just want to come and like dance or like meet people um, to just like hit me up, I think, yeah, I, I, I think community has saved my life this past mm. five years, four or five years. And I want to be able to provide a space where people can find their salvation to use Bible terms, but not <laughs> <laughs> religious. <laughs> or, or chat that as a religion. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs>
I'm looking for Chada. <laughs> Commandment one, get on your knees. I'm just getting knees. <laughs> but only if you took prep. <laughs> Stay updated on all things Horchata. Please follow them on Instagram at horchata.nyc. Or if you'd like to perform at a Horchata event, you can also DM them on Instagram. Their Instagram is spelled W-H-O-R-E-C-H-A-T-A dot N-Y-C. To follow more of Ian online, head over to his TikTok Chino underscore Cholo or his Instagram Kuma.motopapi To stay updated on all things Bitchwick, you can follow us on Instagram as well at Bitchwick Podcast For sponsorship, please email bwpodcastnyc at gmail.com And most importantly don't forget to rate this episode and subscribe. Goodbye! <laughs>